0: Welcome to C3 Church, Queens Beach. We believe Jesus Christ gives life to the full and we are called to live it and share it. We pray you enjoy this message today. Well, we've just been singing, Here is Where I Lay It Down Every Lie and Every Doubt, Every Burden, Every Crown. And such an apt description of where we sit in our Christian walk with God. We can swing between feeling Burdened and unworthy, worthy and battling fear and doubt, and listening to the enemy who's called the father of lies. Or maybe we can sometimes swim the other way, thinking that we've got it all together and we're independent and be prideful and need to be challenged to maybe lay down our crown. To remember that we are not the centre of the universe or king of the world, <laughs> but we actually need to surrender to the king of kings. Jesus, and he doesn't rule an earthly kingdom such as we're used to, but a supernatural, heavenly kingdom that is eternal. Amen? We are born into an earthly realm, what we experience in the natural through our senses, our, you know, see, touch, feel, smell, and taste. But as Christians, we are aware that we're also part of a supernatural kingdom, a spiritual one that is not so readily seen. And we're called to be in the world but not of it. So what does that mean and how does that look? So Jesus said to Nicodemus in John 3 3, unless you were born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, no one can enter the kingdom unless they are born of water and spirit. So it's frustrating when we're trying to share the gospel and tell people about Jesus and what he's done for us, and especially people that don't know Christ, and they don't get it. They're not understanding. You're like, oh, why can't they see? But that's to be expected because we were the same before we were born again. There's a veil over our spiritual eyes, over our heart, and that makes it really difficult to see and to understand. And Paul says it like this in 2 Corinthians their minds are closed and hardened for even to this day that same veil comes over their minds but the moment one turns to the lord with an open heart the veil is lifted and they see really? now the lord i'm referring to is the holy spirit and wherever he is lord there is freedom yep. which i think is interesting not that wherever, wherever he is there is freedom wherever he is lord we're bound to be lord We can all draw close to him with the veil removed from our faces and with no veil we all become like mirrors who brightly reflect the glory of the Lord Jesus. We are being transfigured into his very image as we move from one brighter level of glory to another. And his glorious transfiguration comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. What powerful verses in the Word of God. We know from Ephesians 6 that we don't wrestle with flesh and blood, though it feels like it. We're wrestling with powers and principalities. And we're reminded that we are in a war, and and it's being fought in a spiritual realm a battle going on that we don't necessarily see or sometimes even understand. But it's between the kingdom of darkness that our enemy rules over and God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. Spoiler alert, we win. That's good, that's worth cheering about. But there's a contending for each one of us and for our lives in the meantime. And it's important not to be ignorant, but to be a functioning member constituent ambassador of God's kingdom. So the kingdom of God is also called the kingdom of heaven in Christianity and it's a spiritual realm over which God reigns as king or the fulfilment of God's will. And this is a phrase that's used by Jesus in the Gospels. It was his call and purpose to open the eyes and hearts of those around him to what was going on to usher in this new era. This only came in, in the New Testament when Jesus was on earth. In Matthew 4.23, Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogue, and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. I feel like I never saw that till this week. He just didn't preach the gospel. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. And what happened after that, and healing every disease and every affliction among other people. It's actually the main content of Jesus' preaching, especially in Matthew. He's describing a process, a course of events, where God begins to grow and begins to govern and act as King or Lord. And in John eighteen thirty-eight, Jesus says, My kingship is not of this world. So his dominion came from God not earthly human authority yeah. Yeah. so he spent much time here on earth teaching for the kingdom of god is like and we see that in so many of the parables which is his way and there's just one after another it'd be really great to have a look at these sometime in the next few weeks so he would say that the kingdom of god is like a man who casts seed upon soil it is like a treasure hidden in a field it's like a merchant seeking fine pearls a mustard seed, a dragnet cast into the sea gathering fish of every kind. Kingdom of God is like a man going on a journey who gave his workmen ten talents. The, the kingdom of God is comparable to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Compared to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son, it's compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field but a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire labors for his vineyard. All of these different parables all gave a different aspect and shone a light on what God's kingdom was was like. And he was able to do that through these parables and through the teaching. People would come and sit and listen to Jesus for hour after hour, day after day. They would even forget to eat. That's pretty good. I'd have to be pretty engaged to forget (laughs) to eat. Luke 4.32 says, They were surprised, almost overwhelmed at his teaching because his message was given with authority and power and great ability. Yeah. So when Jesus acknowledged that an after-death heaven existed and eternity, he devoted his preaching not to that heaven but to the kingdom of heaven which he said was here and now, near at hand. And his cousin John the Baptist His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Matthew 11 12, Jesus said, from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and violent people are attacking it. So a kingdom is a piece of land, a territory ruled by a king or a queen, with the ruler inheriting their position by birth or marriage. They often have their own laws culture even money or language much like the various countries and kingdoms that we have in the natural here on earth so when you travel to a different country do you, any of you remember that we used to do <laughs> that many many moons ago ah uh, the olden days and we used to travel <laughs> distant memories but becoming a reality again which is good Yay. anyone already booked any flights anywhere yeah. oh yeah <laughs> But each country has its different customs, systems, passports, money, languages or dialects. And even though some may be quite similar, like English-speaking countries, we still have different dialects and accents. You can be somewhere and go, I don't know what they're saying because it's their accent. Even in Australia, we have different meanings. So depending on which state... You're living in. You've got togs and bathers and swimmers and all sorts of things, and it's very distinct. Even countries like in the UK, isn't it? All the different areas have different dialects and things. And we were travelling uh, one time in Italy. We used to drive have a camper van that we went around Europe in. This is before kids and. We would go to the outskirts of every city, park our camper there, and then catch a train into the, the middle of the town and do our tourist thing, and then we would um, head back home. So we were in Florence one day, and then we went back to the train station, and I said, Can I please have a ticket to Figline? And he goes, No, not Figline. I went, Yes, yes, Figline. I came from there. He goes, No, not Figline. I'm like, Yes, I have to get back there. That's no doubt. And I said, He goes, No, not Figline. So I wrote it down and said, yes, I wrote it down. Fig gliding goes, oh, faline. (laughs) So even though I thought I was saying the right word, still strikingly different. And it's like that when we travel and when we go to different places. So when we're traveling, visiting, living there, we need to understand and obey the laws of that land. Well, there are consequences. Mm. The lifestyles are different and we adapt. And it's the same with the kingdom of God. There's different ways to live, how we walk and talk, how we do life. And that's why Jesus' teaching was so different and so important, so countercultural um, to what everyone had ever known up to that time. There was such a different way of living that they'd never experienced before. Jesus certainly turned the world upside down with his teaching and the way that he lived day to day. From his treatment of women and children who had been considered less than dogs until Jesus came along calling us to go the extra mile yeah to love not only our neighbor that's challenging enough but to love our enemy yeah. to forgive every day yeah. the lord's prayer forgive us our trespasses and forgive those who trespass against us yeah you know our daily prayer no matter what doesn't matter what's happened that's what we're, we're what we're called to do he modelled servant leadership, even to the point of washing his disciples' feet. Yeah. Condemning the pride, hypocrisy and stinginess of the religious leaders, challenging their motives in giving and generosity, and in his proclamation of the kingdom and the way he moved in incredible power and authority, as we even saw before, his teaching had such a power and authority that they had never seen before. This kingdom turned their beliefs and understanding upside down. So much so, it was offensive to many and caused them to walk away. But as Peter said to Jesus when he said, Well, you guys are going to leave me too. He said in John 6.68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and assure that you are Christ, the son of the living God. And as Christians, we're exhorted to put off our old ways of living, thinking, working, and to be transformed into the new kingdom ways. Yeah. To have a kingdom mindset. Amen. I know for Steve and for me, that has been our desire of our heart. Lord, not, let it not be about ourselves. Let us have your kingdom mindset. And yes. to live our life out that way. So good. It's a challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I don't hit it every time, but that's what we purpose together. And then Paul then lays out some of the new ways of living, what it requires. Therefore each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. If you are angry, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen." Very challenging. Our human fleshly nature wants to protect itself, to look after number one, to withhold, to be served. You know, there's self preservation going on. And we're selfish and we put our own desires in the forefront, but in God's kingdom, we love God and love others and we put them first. We serve and we give. We have the kingdom mindset. And my life verse is Matthew 6:33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he declared, and all these things shall be added unto you. There's a strong sense from God that that I had from a young age that if I helped build God's house, He would help build my house and my household. Amen. And I can yes. stand here, you know, in my mid-50s and say that my testimony is that God has been faithful, Amen. God can be trusted, yes. He has come through. So As we put His kingdom yes. first, served and loved His people, put our yes. you know, first of our finances God has blessed us in every way you still have challenges it's not like you have a protective bubble over you but I know that God has been faithful and true and he is trustworthy and I encourage each and every one of you to look into this and say God is there some area that I need to surrender where I need to put you and your kingdom first and just watch as things get taken care of the other things Mm -hmm. get taken care of I love that, and we added unto you and this is, ups- this is upside down to the world's way of thinking. Yes. But it works. Mm. Prioritising what God does. As we say with the purpose circles, Jesus at the centre. He gives life to the full. Our role is to preach the gospel and share God's kingdom yes. as Jesus did. Live it and share it. Praying and believing that those veils would be removed and people would see the light and enter God's kingdom like we have been given that opportunity to. And because it's a spiritual kingdom, some of the concepts mess with our human brains. Some that we will look at next week. There's freedom in surrender, with boundaries. When we serve, we are exalted. When we are weak, he is strong. And there are many paradoxes in the kingdom of God that we can tend with. Um, Pastor Emma was sharing some of these at their 10th anniversary of leaving the church in Edmont Heights. And some of the things that she juggles, and I asked her to send it to me. She said, I'm a walking, breathing paradox, at times painfully weak, but strong in him. Amen. Utterly underqualified, but relentingly called. Yes. Continually growing in depth, but only scratching the surface. Yes. Always teacher and always learner. Yes. Vulnerable, but robust soft-hearted and thick-skinned. I love that. That's such a key to being Christians. It's a hard one. Weighty but eased is grace in every single day. Yeah. And it's so true. And maybe you've sat in that place of weighing up these paradoxes and uh, on other ones as well. I know I have and I feel but even as I learn and study more, I'm more aware of how much I don't know, if that makes sense. <laughs> I realize there's so much more to know and experience, and God is so much bigger and his word. There is so much more there for me to learn and experience in him. And and even this you know, one-off preach, this is meant to be a one-off preach, has now become a series. I've just been excited getting into the word of God and going, wow, the kingdom is this, the kingdom is that, I think, really, this was that so yeah it's just there's so much depth um, looking into what God's kingdom is that we are part of. Yeah. I'm called to be humble, not proud, yeah. but I'm fearfully and wonderfully made in his image. Yes. I am redeemed, worthy, righteous, called by name, anointed, I've been given gifts that the body of Christ need me to activate and use. Yeah. And I'm told to be confident in this, to declare in faith and to minister in his power, as are you. Yeah. But on the other hand, we have also read, I'm a worm, I'm a sinner, and I've got to, I'm still getting changed from glory to glory. <laughs> but I'm also righteous. So I don't know if you ever contemplated these mysteries. What is this about? Where do we stand in this paradox, in this crazy upside-down world? And in the new year, I read the Instagram post from Ozzy Day. I don't know if any of you read his Instagrams, but they're just brilliant. He's a um, pastor from Adelaide who until recently was in the States working alongside Andy Stanley. And he would do their social media and marketing and that sort of thing. And I love his exploration and expansion of the Hebrew meanings behind biblical concepts and phrases. And a few months ago, this particular post caught my eye. And I haven't been able to stop thinking about it and exploring more tangents and pathways along the lines of this paradox that we contend with as Christians. And I call this preach title the upside down kingdom, but in many ways it should have probably been called the paradoxical kingdom. And I thought people know what is she on about? <laughs> it's a little bit random, a little bit weird. But um, Aussie Days Day's post was about an old Jewish teaching at the Sea of Galilee called Two Pockets. It says we should all carry two pieces of paper in our pockets. One here, on the other side. The first one reading, "I am but dust and ashes." Mm. In Hebrew, pronounced "Yahovheh <laughs> So that when we wake up feeling self-important or proud, we can read these words. Yeah. And the second piece of paper should read, "For my sake was the world created." Wow. Which in Hebrew is pronounced Vraha or "liam". So that when we wake up feeling discouraged and low, we can take this piece of paper from our pocket and read it. Yeah. And the rabbis teach that each of us is the joining together of two worlds. Mm. We were fashioned from clay, but received life from the breath of God. Yes. You were both ordinary and holy. Yeah. Like last week's preach, I sharing, God takes ordinary people, us, and accomplishes extraordinary things through yeah. them. Yeah. Um, Pastor Kelly, she posted an article in Grow a Healthy Church, 40 things learned from decades of pastoring, and one of the things that she shared was no glory for self. Yeah. She says, God is quite clear that he will not share his glory with anyone. Yeah. When people compliment me, express their thanks for the word I've brought or something I've done well, I respond by saying, thank you. Then when I'm alone with God, I take those kind words spoken and one by one bunch them together to make a bouquet of flowers. Mm-hmm. I hold the bouquet up to the Lord as a sweet-smelling fragrance to him and say thank you. It's such an amazing article, all of those 40 things are incredible, they're worth a read and I've watched Pastor Donne live out those things in just the 20-something years that I've worked with her. We acknowledge the ability to minister, but being grateful to the one who called anointed and enabled. So instead of focusing on the problem or issues we face, our goal at the start of every day could be to focus on finding the holy. The goal should be to see the sacred and the divine in the ordinary. Job 33, 4 says, For the Spirit of God has made me and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. I think sometimes we mistakenly confuse humility with an idea of low self-esteem and thinking less of Mm ourselves. But Biblical humility isn't about putting ourselves down or projecting others as ourselves as less than we are. I think being humble is about recognising how big God is. Amen. And that we're having a right view of ourselves in relationship to Him. Amen. And this is important then to actually think about and study and find out how, God, how big God is. Become aware of it and how it's only in Him. That we can be all he's created us to be and fulfill the purpose he has for us. So next time, if you start putting yourself down, jump into the Word of God. Find some verses that remind you who you are in him. If you haven't got any, Google it. If you still need some, I've got a hundred of them in my office at work. I will just scan them and email to you. It is such a powerful thing to do, to remind you... Of who you are in him Amen. when you do you remember you are child of the king who reigns over this heavenly kingdom Amen. and you are filled with the same spirit that raised christ from the dead yes amazing. that's powerful isn't it yeah. that's who we have access to because we are a child of the king second Corinthians things 521 he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of god in him. Amen. We're gifted, but it's all given by God to use for his glory. Yeah. Yeah. We walk in humility, understanding our lack and brokenness, but knowing that we are redeemed through Christ, so we can have godly boldness and confidence yeah. in him, yeah. which he loves, and he rewards that. It's sort of hard to comprehend, isn't it? Paul says in um 2 Corinthians, such confidence we have through Christ before God. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our confidence comes from our God. He has made us confident as ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And 2 Timothy 1.7, Timothy For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Ephesians 3.12 In him and through him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Amen. Yeah. Hebrews 4.16 Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Yeah. So confidence in who God has made me to be. Not boastful, arrogant pride, but an assured knowledge of who we are in Him and Jesus Christ in the love of God. Hebrews 10:35, 36. Some of my favourite verses. Do not throw away your confidence; it will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. Don't make yourself so small so others feel uncomfortable but at the same time you shouldn't overstate your accomplishments. That's a good one to remember. Everything we do and have, every good and perfect gift, is from Father God. So we thank him and we acknowledge that and give him the glory, for continually moving in the humility, yet confidence and boldness, so that we can influence and impact others in his kingdom, for his kingdom. So which piece of paper do you need to focus on today? something to consider daily. Jesus was the ultimate example of the upside-down kingdom. He was son of God in all his glory, but he was also son of man in his humanness, humility and facing all the temptations and the challenges and the struggles that we deal with as earthly beings. His people were expecting an earthly warrior, an earthly king, to come and set them free from the bondages that they were facing in their society. He came to seek and save the lost, he hung out with sinners and broken people, and he showed us servant leadership and how love conquers all. The enemy thought that he had, when he had he defeated Jesus on the cross, but actually death, the sting of death was defeated and eternal life was obtained yeah. for us. Yeah. Jews and Gentiles alike, praise God, which of course was absolutely unheard of. And he established an eternal kingdom that knows no end, as prophesied by the angel when he came to Mary before she conceived. An eternal kingdom that knows no end. He laid down his life for love. Let's stand. We're just going to play a beautiful song from um, C3 Music. It's called "What Other King. You can sing along or you can just feel free to listen. Um, excuse the misspelling of the words in the first sentence, but we'll just move on from there. This song, What Other King? What other king would take off his crown? Not yet. Thank you, right? <laughs> What other king would take off his crown? What other king would give up his throne? What other king would hang on a cross and lay down his life for love? What other king has risen from death? What other king has conquered the grave? What other king has rolled at the stone and walked from the tomb alive? What other king is mighty to save? What other king is worthy of praise? What other king is seated on high, in heaven above in glory? That is our king, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today on this podcast.